Hi, I'm Mary Lyons, the Wealth Woman. And I'm Eric Alexander with Benchmark Income Group. Welcome to the Big Wealth Podcast. So for those of you that are just joining us here and uh, later on in the episodes, I want to go back because a lot of times we have people that come in sort of the middle of, of the process and they're like, what the heck are you guys talking about? So if you're just joining us and you're trying to figure out what the heck is an Enneagram and where does that fit, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode one. It was an amazing episode where we kind of laid out what that looks like. And if you're not sure what your type is or you want to get a deeper dive on it, we're going to put a PDF on the website. So if you're looking for that or want to have a resource guide as you read through this or as you listen to this, please go pull that down. And for this episode, we want to really work through what is the purpose of money? Why do we work? What does money get us? And how does that present for each of the Enneagram types? Yeah. So let's remember the Enneagram is a personality typing system. Right. Teaches that there are nine basic personality styles in the world, each of which has a different lens through which they filter and see the world. Yeah. View the world, right? And so obviously how they relate to money and wealth building will be different for each type. We want people of that of their particular type to have self-awareness to know what are the unconscious drivers that are affecting their decision-making and the way that they encounter life. And we also want to encourage them to understand all the other types so they can <laughs> understand and appreciate diversity and differences in right. how people understand and see the world. And that the other types are not weird. They're just different. They're just different. Well, I think we're really, <laughs> really lucky to have you here, Ian, because yeah, we have one of the world's foremost experts on Enneagrams to give us all of this insight. Mm. And I think not only are we fortunate, but I think our audience is too, because they're going to get all these little nuggets out of you that will help them improve the quality of their life and the quality of their conversation around money. So yeah. thank you very much for being with well, us. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So when I'm thinking about what is the purpose of life, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek's, Simon Sinek, I'm probably mispronouncing it. Start with why. So what is my why and what does money get me? So for an Enneagram type one, what, why do they work? What's the point? What is money for? Yeah. So let's just remind people, we're, when we talk about ones, we're talking about the improvers, formerly the perfectionists. <laughs> I improved that name. <laughs> yeah. So remember, these are people who high integrity, they are detail oriented, they're meticulous. There are people who are all about integrity and being morally heroic. And they always want to keep improving themselves, others in the world. And when they're not so healthy, perfecting themselves, others in the world. <laughs> I think the purpose of money for the one is really to be responsible, appropriate, and to ensure a well-funded future. I think they really want to make sure that they're good. They want to do the right thing. The thing of integrity, which is I want to be ready for retirement and I want to be able to pay for college educations. I want to pay off our mortgage. I want to, you know what I mean? I don't want it's to be like, a burden, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yes, that, that that might be part of it because that's the right thing to do. Right. Right. Uh, Hashtag adulting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I want to make sure that, um, you know, show up in the most responsible manner possible. So <laughs> that, I think, is a, a lot of the purpose of, of money for type one. Yeah. And now you could argue that can be taken too far, but that's the case for all the types. But I, I again, I think that one's it's just about appropriateness. It's about the should. This is mm -hmm. what we this is what money, how money should, ought, must be used or deployed or whatever right. and uh, or earned. And that's important to them. Yeah. That idea of that that should of making sure that you're managing your own your own world. Like you're taking care of yourself. You're not putting undue burden on someone else or, or that 
that appropriateness, I think, is really a cool phrase. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what about a two? I, I see the two, and you've talked about this in another earlier podcast, as sort of that generous, the caring, the, the reaching out to do good. How does money fit there? Yeah, I would say that the twos would understand money through the lens of relationships. I think the purpose of money for them would be primarily to take care of the needs of their loved ones and also to make the lives of others better. How do I, you know, use my money to serve and meet the needs of my partner, of my children, possibly of my next circle of relationships? But it would really be, uh, how do I use money to enhance relationship or create spaces where relationships can happen or be deepened? Do you find, and this this may take us slightly off topic, but do you find there is an Enneagram type that is more prone to charitable giving? Well, I would imagine ones would be. Because uh, that's good. Because you're supposed to. Yeah, right. Twos, for sure. I would say sixes. I would say eights, for sure. Because they're very concerned about justice and fairness. And so those types immediately Maybe come Maybe a to three mind. if they get the credit for it. Possibly. <laughs> One of the things I'm always counseling threes to do is to give anonymously as a mm. way to build, to work against their need to win admiration or mm-hmm. be perceived as successful. That's part of a growth curve for them. But I can see where, yeah, ones, twos, I do know many philanthropic threes, but certainly, yeah, those sixes and those eights and nine, sixes and eights, yeah. I remember listening to a podcast you did, and I, I the people escaped me on it. I just remember the the point, but I'm in a car accident, or I'm in some sort of horrible thing. But man, I can write a book about this. I can, I, we can monetize this, right? Yeah. And she was a three. It was Alan Jackson's daughter. Oh, right. Because her husband passed away. Was yes. what it was. Yeah. So it was like, how do I take this bad thing that happened, and and how do we turn that thing around and make it a positive? But fighting, trying to fight that mask, right? Yeah, and I, she did a lot of self-examination yeah. to make sure she wasn't doing it to leverage her brand, which is something that a three that's not very self-aware would do. You actually described how a seven would be just then. Oh, really? But Yeah, they would reframe it. But a, From an optimistic. Th- yeah, a three mm-hmm. would spin it, and that's uh, different than reframing. Okay. Yeah, I, again, these are the little nuances of yeah. the Enneagram and these personality styles. And for the charitable piece on the two, do you see that as something that they're doing locally? I want to help my friend, my neighbor, my kids, my coworkers, or does that charity spill out? That's a great question. I would tend to think that they would do both, but probably lean more into the immediate and local because mm-hmm. there would be gratification in that where they would actually see the effect and get feedback for being helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get that from giving to March of Dimes. You get a letter saying thank you, but you don't actually you don't have the, the relational, relationship. In, interpersonal kind when of contact. When there's no love bonus for doing that, right? Yeah. I think, again, we're speaking in generalities. For sure. But that's how I think it would roll. Yeah. Yeah. What about a three? What's the purpose of money for a three? <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, part of it would be to project and measure success. Right. And that's important to a three because threes confuse success with love. It's almost a scorecard. Yes. It's also a way of trying to, because threes see a world in which people only value others for what they do, not for who they are inside. Mm. It's like, well, Mm. of course, you're going to want to, you're going to equate success with love. This is why a lot of times with threes, they get, they're working in a corporate world for a long time and they get a gold watch and they're like, what? I thought you loved me. Mm -hmm. And now you're telling me I'm expendable. I mm-hmm. thought I was invaluable. Mm-hmm. So it's a big crush to a three if they haven't done their work well, that's and right, figured out, oh, wait a minute, this was transactional. This was not about anything else but the, about the business. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. 
And then for the four, you, we've talked, we've joked about money for the fours of being banal or pedestrian, or we're, we're more evolved than that. But how do they see it? Yeah, I think that oftentimes I'll meet cab drivers in New York City who are fours, and they're only doing this gig in order to support their creative pursuits as an mm-hmm. actor, or as a mm-hmm. painter, or this, or as a florist. Not all, they're not all artists. They usually just have quirky like they're a Reiki practitioner or something. They teach yeah. yoga. Uh, you know what I mean? It's uh-huh. like over various things, right? Just things that are kind of normal script or path, right? right? And we need those people in the world, right? Yeah. Now, I think the purpose of money for them, though, could be to fund creative pursuits, to underwrite interesting hobbies, and to also acquire things that project uniqueness. You know, a lot of times you go to a forest house and you'll be like, this place is curated. There is Mm -hmm. just stuff in here that's so out there, but sort of aesthetically interesting. And they're all about beauty and environments. There's Mm -hmm. incense going, you know, or whatever. There's this environment Mm -hmm. thing. Other types could care less, right? Sometimes it'd be like, I don't even know if I have a couch, you know? <laughs> right. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I got this couch in India for whatever. So, and there might be a story a behind story. it. There might piece. be a story behind it, right? And so it's putting together an environment that tells a story about the specialness of the four. So that this is interesting to me because it, it almost sounds like for a three, if you're thinking about a scorecard— the money is the end goal because of what it signifies to everyone outside. And to a four, the money is really just a means to an end. Yes. Yeah. I would say that's true. And I know that's true in my own life as a four. You would be the expert on two counts then, one <laughs> as a four, and secondly, because this is what you do. <laughs> right. But I would also say what's interesting, and this is what we were talking about earlier, we have to remember that personality styles talk, we can only talk about probabilities. We can't right. talk about certainties. This, we say, okay, this is probably how a four would see the purpose of money. Probably. Right. But there are other factors that come into play. I grew up in a home where there was tremendous financial insecurity, tremendous, and chaos around mm-hmm. money. We could be rich one day and the next day hiding behind the couch when the landlord came to get the rent. You know, literally. Right. Right? Yeah. So there's trauma around money for me, right? Wow. That affects my personality and the way I relate to money. Now, I've done work around it, so I'm self-aware, which is the goal of uh, understanding our personality, Mm -hmm. right? So that comes into play, and it it actually changes the lens a little bit, or sometimes a lot of it. (laughs) And we just have to make space for other influences. So, yeah. Well, I've I've met people doing what we do that have had a really traumatic experience with money in the beginning, and they've had two very different outcomes with it. Money was chaos. It was always feast or famine on those kind of pieces. And they retreated back to almost like what I would see for a six or a nine, maybe. Like, I just want to, I need enough to go push against that. Scarcity and hoarding. Scarcity and hoarding. And then I've seen other people that are like, it was always chaos, but it always ended up working out okay. So... Hey, why not? Right. Let's just lean into the chaos. Right. Uh, Spend I mean, it when we have it and don't worry about it when we don't. Yeah, because this too shall pass and we'll make it again. And we've seen the feast and famine. Like I think about your talking about your dad and his sort of journey through entrepreneurship of, man, we were we were great one day. And then the next day we were moving to go do something else. And but it always just kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely creates a different attachment. And I do think to the point of what you said, you can't reduce the complexity of an individual to a number. 
Right. right. The number is really about a guideline and understanding motivation behind the personality right. is the way I think I understand that from our conversation. It's more about helping you understand almost the default driver in sort of broad strokes. Yeah, I would say that I like to say that each Enneagram personality type is a low resolution picture of the <laughs> oh, like interior that. world of a particular person kind of person. Now, that low resolution picture may give you 10 or 15% more clarity about the interior architecture of that person, mm -hmm. but 10 or 15% more clarity is a gigantic evolutionary leap forward. It's like statistically, yeah. Yeah, that's a huge leap forward. If you can get even that, the self-awareness you could get would be would advantage you in profound ways as you understand yourself and other people. But it is low res. Now we we are not going to go into a conversation about wings and subtypes for each sure. Type. If those actually will increase the resolution of the picture. But for our purposes to, just, to go that deep, they need to read your books, go to your website, yeah, right. schedule exactly. some time. Yeah, and do the work, right? So for the fives, the kind of my theory of fives being a five is money is there to be bulletproof. Okay, keep going. Because well, you're a five. Let's remind people that you're yeah, so an I'm investigator. A five, right? So that that idea of I don't want I don't want anybody to have control over me, which would be the eight piece of it, but more of I don't want to be pushed around in the playground by other people's I want to be independent. Mm -hmm. So to me, bulletproof is I can manage my own things. If everyone leaves and deserts me, who cares? I'm that, that level of bulletproof. Yeah. Remember, fives are the most cerebral type on the Enneagram. So we talk about them living in the castle of the mind. So it's almost like as a little kid, the moat, the drawbridge came down, the five walked across it into the castle of the mind, up went the, and up went the drawbridge. And we're done. And then they go up the highest minaret, they look over that crenellation, you know, the little mm -hmm. thing like this, uh -huh. and they're looking down on the world, observing it, rather than participating in it. Yeah. So when you say bulletproof, that's what I think of, is not so much like the way an eight would, the challenger, it's more like, uh, how can I be up here and sustain myself to be autonomous, to just right. stay up here and have to rely on the goodwill of others or whatever, yeah. or to get too emotionally attached to someone for that reason. And I think that That's those a are a lot of the that. those are a lot of the big drivers for the five. Yeah. What about a six? Yeah, I think that this purpose of money is really to ensure safety and security <laughs> and certitude and four things like we've mentioned before, the predictables of a life. The givens of things like a retirement or colleges or, you know, and also safety account or nest egg. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. so I think the six is sees that as the purpose of money, which is to generate safety and security. I'm safe. I'm yes. Safe. Yeah. yeah. But it's almost, you, you mentioned this with the sevens in a couple of podcasts back of, I don't want to have any, I want to have lots of doors open. I want to be able to walk through all the doors, but. To me, maybe the sixth, the variation on that theme might be, I've got a lot of options to go deal with problems. I've got ways to go respond if there's a problem. I must think the difference is for a six, it's all about contingency plans for when things go wrong. And then for a seven, it's almost more about opportunity plans. Yes. How do I, yeah. yes, absolutely. How do I open that? So I would say that I like to say that sixes, again, these are just slightly overstated, but right. you'll get the point. <laughs> you know, sixes at their worst are paranoid, mm -hmm. right? That something's going to happen, and it's going to happen to me, and it's going to be overwhelming, and i got to be ready. I always like to say, this is a made-up word, but I, I like to say that sevens suffer from 
pronoia, not paranoia. <laughs> and pronoia is the belief that the world is conspiring for them to have their next great adventure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh. So one is, you might say, that sixes at their worst are pessimistic and sevens at their worst are toxically optimistic. So I, I would almost <laughs> say, like, a six, their purpose is to close off risk, and a seven, it's to open doors yes. to possibility. Yeah. And sometimes minimizing risk, like not paying enough attention to risk. You know, a six may be, you know, hyper-focused on risk to and the exclusion of opportunity. Yeah. Seven mm -hmm. is hyper-focused on opportunity to the exclusion of possible risk. So, you know, you want to get those things in the balance, you know, <laughs> in a perfect world. Sure. But more more about the experience, but for the money part of it, more about the experience than the stuff. For the yeah. seven. Yeah. We spoke with that on earlier podcasts right. that the percentage of sevens, they're con the highest percentage of sevens are spenders, but they would rather spend on experiences than things. Right. The trip, the vacation, the yeah. let's go to Bali and Naked skydiving. Yeah, let's, yeah, you know, exactly. let's go. Let's go hot air ballooning <laughs> over across the Pacific. Right. You what know, could go wrong? That kind of stuff. What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, the eight. What about an eight? Tell me more. You tell me. You're the eight. What's the purpose? For your perspective, what's the purpose of oh, money? I, I think for me, it's about being able to do what I want when I want. So I think if I were going to restate that, it's about control more than anything. I don't know that I, sometimes I feel like when you talk about eights, there's a lot of conversation about power. And I'm not really sure the power dynamic matters to me, but the control dynamic does. The autonomy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think power is very linked to control. Mm. You can't be in control unless there's some power. Okay. Okay, right? I'll walk that back. Yes, no. I'll accept that. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I do think that for eight, money is sometimes a little five-ish, too. Like, I know some eights, they were very, they lived minimally until that college loan was paid off because they don't want to be controlled by a lender. They can also be minimalistic uh, because they th that's about control. Others will be much more free spending because they can be excessive. Eights can be excessive. Sure. They can overspend. They can mm -hmm. like, it's like for eights, too much is never enough. I, yes, but, I'll buy that but, too. But for but for some, it's like a little more, again, like I want to be in control. And therefore, that means I can't be controlled. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think for hmm. me, it's about having enough income that's coming in passively that I could spend my time doing whatever I want. And then- what drives me from a how am I spending my time is generally very tightly tied to purpose and impact and how I'm affecting the world and bettering people's lives. Yeah, that significance and piece. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely think so. So it's, yeah. I think it's a little more complex than just control, but it's more about the freedom that gives me to really focus on what I think is important when I think it's important. It's a means to an end, though. I think it's. Oh, yeah. I think for you, it's somewhat less about the scorecard and more about, look what I can accomplish. But not from a three standpoint of, I'm important because I've accomplished something, but look what difference I can make. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then what about the nine? That's yeah, I think nine, see the purpose of money is to maintain inner and outer peace. Like it gives them predictability, predictability. They just want to be reasonably comfortable. They don't have to be very comfortable, just reasonably comfortable. <laughs> and I think they want a worry-free lifestyle. I just don't think they want to have any internal kind of like feelings of conflict about it. They just want to get by. You know, it's interesting, like even in the corporate setting, a lot of nines are not 
This is not always the case, but I, there's a particular kind of nine that is very happy to be middle management, where it's just very predictable. Life just is sort of like they can almost do it in their sleep, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just okay with that. Worry-free. Worry-free. Right. I just want to get by. I don't want to work on the weekends. I don't want to work at nights. I just want to have the kind of job where there's not a lot of conflict. I don't want to be the boss because that almost always involves conflict. I got to fire somebody or I got to, you know, whatever. It's like, I just, I just kind of want to... Do life, be comfortable, hang on the couch and with my kids curled up, eating a pizza on Saturday night, watching whatever on Netflix. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that can be lovely. Intellectually, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So my wife, is, my, my wife is a fairly high nine on that side of it. And that's right now her job is extremely stressful. And the conversation we had the other day, she said, I wonder if I could go work at the – in her company. There's a particular role that everybody starts with out of college. She said, I wonder if I could go do that job. I just show up, I take the orders, I pass them on, mm-hmm. I get done with my end of the day, right. I go home, yep. and I don't really care how much money I yeah, yep. that guy's getting a job, a promotion, whatever. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually kind of lovely. You have to sort of sort of see the beauty and their yeah. sort of low maintenance kind of Absolutely. Oh, it's peace. It's very peaceful, but sometimes it's a vase, it's avoiding responsibility. So just every type again has a every, shadow, right? Every type has a shadow. And so, you know, like you know, my wife, who's a nine, she would like to go work at a bookstore. She loves to read. And that way you sell books all day and then you go home and nobody's like calling you on the phone yelling at you about selling a book. And she does, and on the weekends, she gets to read. And if she goes to bed at night, she gets to read. That's her job. Pretty good. Yeah. She wants to die. open up a ranch. I would no. die in 10 minutes <laughs> doing that job. And no. you as an eight would own the bookshop in six yeah. weeks. I actually, my husband That's and I funny. had this conversation because I was like, we should just move to Santa Fe and take a step back. And he goes, you realize if you did something like that, you'd show up, you'd start working at an art gallery, and then you would own the gallery, and then you would expand right. into other areas <laughs> and open galleries across the country and possibly the world. And I was like, Probably. Yeah, <laughs> like there's no even fighting it. It's the if you retire to a beach, you're going to own all the snow cone stands for the entire right, island. Right, right. So and they'll be marketed together with the social yeah. media page. But it's, it's again, it's not for the recognition. It's just that I, I don't know. Like going back to this for me, I think money is about growth. But I think so mm-hmm. many things for me are about growth, whether it's personally or professionally or whatever it is. So this idea of the nine being content and comfortable, I'm like, wait, what is that? It's almost like anathema to the way, and I don't know Mm -hmm. if all eights work that way, but it's that obsession with progress, right? It's not perfection, I don't feel like, but it's, are we making progress? And just to be clear, like some people think that nines just probably aren't all that ambitious and kind of like just roll along. But I always tell people, I think four of our last just few presidents were all nines. I think presidents, the best presidents are nines. Because they can create harmony, consensus. so people work together. Consensus. Mm. Yeah. Well, they call them the peacemakers, but they also call the mediators. Nobody can cut deals like nines. Yeah, Clinton was that way, right? He was. He was very oh, yeah. much a Reagan for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Reagan was a master at getting everybody. It's not, to it's the not table. an ambition thing then at all. That's no, really. just temperament, disposition. And Quiet Cal, right? He was one of the one of the older presidents of uh, Calvin Coolidge, right? He I was, don't know anything about Calvin Coolidge, but I will take you be only a five <laughs> with no details about Calvin Coolidge. But yeah, you know, but very, very sort of unassuming. And this is good yeah, I mean, up. nines, th- there's not so much ego that they're off putting to put, you know, it's like, mm. ah, I can put my ego aside just to get this done. And so oh. it's like, yeah, that makes a pretty good leader. Yeah, it does. A lot of leaders are too autocratic. And then that makes a real problem to get stuff done because they're going to try and steamroll you 
into something. And that actually brings up that oppositional energy will bring up a lot of oppositional energy in other people. The yeah. nine energy is disarming. And, oh, yeah. I can, so yeah. I'll lean into that, right? Well, it, it allows from the way I'm looking at it, it almost allows other people to preserve their ego. Mm-hmm. There was a great phrase a professor of mine had in, in group negotiations. She said, those with the most power and those with the least power have to be the most benevolent. And so I, I can see this idea of the president having those power, but if they lord it over everyone and they're right. driving everything, right. then that, well. that oppositional energy kicks up and fights back. For sure. Great. Well, thank you so much for all of this. This is absolutely wonderful stuff. Where can our audience find more information? Yeah, well, let me just underscore something I think is important for, for people, yeah. which is we're a couple of episodes in here. For and sure. yeah. if they're unfamiliar with the Enneagram, right, and I know you mentioned this earlier, but I just want to underscore they should go back and listen to the first episode, which is describing each of the nine types, their names, and what they're like. Right. And also, you'll have a PDF available yep, for them the so they can reference it as they listen to us. Because otherwise, I'm sure that some of them are like, what are they talking about? Ones, fives, nines. But if they have all that material, it's really going to help them understand this important material. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll be able good. to find that at benchmarkincome.com. Right. Yeah. And uh, if they want to learn about me, Ian Morgancron, I-A-N-M-O-R-G-A-N-C-R-O-N.com, and they'll find all kinds of resources. Yeah. And then you can find me at Economics with Eric on LinkedIn and social media and Facebook and all the rest of it. And you can find me at The Wealth Woman wherever you social media. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thanks.